The reading this morning is from Acts chapter 1, verses 15 to 26. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akodama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, um, we come to you and we come with open hearts and we pray that you would speak to us uh, through your word this morning. Lord, that you would guide us for our lives and um, cause us to put our hope in you in all the right ways. And um, yeah, just be with us as we, as we spend this time. And I pray that uh, it would, you would make a difference to our lives in the week ahead because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so we are um, on to part two. Um, I'm just aware that we've got quite a few visitors this morning. This is part two of a series that we're doing um, called Gathered. We're looking at the, the opening chapters of um, the, the book of Acts. Um, and this word gathered, um, if you weren't here for part one, it's a literal translation of the Greek word ecclesia, um, which is the word in the Bible that we translate as church. Um, so this is a series looking at the church and what it's for, the point of church, if you like. So the church literally is the gathered, that's what it means, um, or the assembled. And uh, last time we were looking at how uh, after his ascension, the disciples followed Jesus's instructions first to go back to Jerusalem and then wait there for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which would um, I mean, the Holy Spirit, who would empower them and enable them uh, to set out on this mission of being Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we saw how, while they waited, they gathered to pray and to worship. Um, that was sort of one aspect of what they did in this kind of period of 10 days between Jesus leaving and the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost, which we'll be looking at in the, the coming few weeks. Today we're looking at the other aspect of what they 
did while they waited to prepare themselves for what was to come, um, which is essentially how they got themselves organized and ready. Uh, that's what we heard in our reading from the second half of Acts chapter 1. I, I realize I've heard series, I think I've even probably preached series on Acts beginning of Acts before. And this is usually the passage I think that gets mi- missed out because there's some awkward things in it and some fairly unpalatable things in it, but we're going to go for it. Um, we're gonna, not going to jump through it. But I want to do um, essentially three things this morning. Um, so first, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself and my experience of the last year or so um, as I've settled into ministry at All Souls. And then we'll look at the experience of the disciples and what they were doing in this story. And then I'd like to finish by talking a little bit about you. Um, I hope that's okay. So let's talk about me. Um, I'm, I'm conscious sometimes of the danger of kind of, um, kind of vicars turning the pulpit into their own personal therapy session. Um, so I'm, I'm not trying to do that. Um, so anything that I share, I'm sharing out of the hope that it will be of some value or encouragement to you. That's the aim. Um, so you may feel tired of the statement. Of course, this morning, the clicker wouldn't work. Um, Chris Whitty time. Next slide, please. It's all right. There's only about five of them. Okay. No, maybe. Oh. Where's the next slide? Well, some of it. Should we play guess the slide? What do you think the words are there? <laughs> Let's try and come out of it and go, and go into it again and see. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> We've been having a few technical issues this morning. Um, that's, that's a spoiler, okay? Uh, <laughs> Let's try. Should we just try clicking on a song and then coming back to it and see if it sorts itself out? Don't worry, you don't have to sing it again. No. Forget it. Don't worry. Um, we don't need the slides. Um, what it said was it's been a tough couple of years. Okay, And the point was, you may be a little bit sick of that statement by now. I know I am. Um, I feel like I've said that and heard that more times than I can count, um, along with words like unprecedented, new normal, recovery, you know, add your own words. But the truth is, it has been a kind of a crazy few years uh, for all of us. Just imagine for a moment that you had gone to sleep uh, December 2019, say, and then woken up today. Um, I think the story of the pandemic that we've been through the last years would sound like science fiction to you. And then a land war wiping literally major European cities completely off the map. That would sound like a sort of alternative historical novel. Uh, Inflation and the cost of living crisis would sound like something from the 1970s, um, which is before my time. And all the experts seem to be saying the same thing. You know, even if all these traumatic events stopped right now, which they won't, the impact on us would take years to fully process and recover from. So yes, it's been a, a tough couple of years. And Yes, we're going to keep talking about that. Um, you know, the Christian faith is not one that, that lives in denial of the presence of darkness and trouble in our world. Um, you know, rather, it's a, it's a gospel that speaks hope into the realities of the darkness. Um, a messed up world, messed up lives is the natural habitat of the good news of the kingdom which Jesus uh, uh, spoke about, which he preached about. It's a gospel that speaks life, even to the ultimate enemy that we face, death. 
death itself. There's been a lot of unexpected death these past years. Plague, war, and famine are the uh, big three when it comes to death on scale. And we had an unexpected death. There was a car crash just on Saturday night, Friday night, just at the end of this road. Unexpected death on a massive scale and an unexpected scale. You know, we've had plague, we've had war, and famine right now looks, you know, pretty likely. Not even taking into account the impact of climate change. So we're not here to bury our heads in the sand um, and pretend everything is okay. That's not what we do as church. That's not what we do. But this um, damaged, broken, hurting world is Jesus's territory. This is where the church belongs, um, in the places, the times of deep darkness. So these past couple of years have not been easy in the Sellers family as well. We've experienced the same kind of events or times that you have. We uh, haven't been seriously unwell, um, praise the Lord, and we haven't been bereaved like I know so many have. But we've experienced that same overall sense of bereavement and loss. And one of the toughest things for us was um, the repeated periods of homeschooling. Um, I'm just going to be honest about that. Um, I know some of you do this or have done this out of choice. And I say, you know, huge respect to you um, and, and to your kids. Um, but amidst um, some of the good things that came out of, of doing that, homeschooling was, was not great for us as a family. And honestly, I was thinking about it the other day. I think the impact of that, those times and doing that rumbles on in our family dynamic today. Um, particularly in how the boys relate to one another um, and to us. It's still evident. And uh, another aspect of the disruption for us was being aware from fairly early on in the pandemic that we wouldn't exit the pandemic where we entered it. Um, I was in year two of a three-year curacy, a sort of training post for vicars, which mean, um, meant that we would a move was on the cards. We knew that, this, and this would be the I think the third move in five years, you know, from Luton to Bristol, Bristol to Chorleywood, Chorleywood to uh, somewhere. We didn't know where. Um, and as it happened, that move came pretty much off the back of that third and final lockdown with all the schools closed. I don't know if you remember that, that final everlasting winter of homeschooling. Um, that January, February, March, wasn't it? So when we rocked up here, very grateful to have a job to go to. You know, some of my friends weren't able to find uh, jobs and had to move into temporary accommodation, another move as well. But we were, we were a bit wrung out. And I was not feeling like I had a whole lot to offer, which was a problem because coming into lead a church, you feel like you should be absolutely, should be up together, ready to go to lead, to inspire, to serve. Whereas the truth was, I was a bit of a mess. And our family was a bit of a mess. And uh, yeah, a bit of a mess was not what I thought that All Souls really needed or deserved uh, after a year with no vicar and a lockdown. And it's no exaggeration to say that the support from the wardens, from David and Adele, from John, for others, was um, you know, critical to me just getting through that first year. And I'm so thankful for them. But the truth is that there have been times in this last year where I kind of thought, why am I here? What am I doing? Jesus, this is not how it was meant to be. This is not how I was meant to be. Do you really want me 
leading your church? Do you really want me leading this church? There must be someone better at this out there um, than me, more suitable for this. You know, I've been preparing for years for this, and yet in the midst of it all, I felt I, I really don't feel ready. Now, that's me. Um, leave that up there. Um, It's not the whole story. Don't worry, we're cool, by the way, um, if the wardens are listening. New wardens, math, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to another vacancy. We're all good. Um, (laughs) But I just want to put that out there for you to reflect on as we look at this passage and, and kind of consider the question, what kinds of people in what sort of state do we expect church to be built upon? So what kind of people does God call into his church to lead his church. So let's talk about the disciples um, in the period between Jesus' death and resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit to empower them to send them out on this mission. So we've preached um, a bit on this period of time already. Uh, Math spoke after Easter about Jesus reinstating Peter after he'd sort of led him down. Richard uh, Moy spoke a couple of weeks ago about Jesus' challenge to his disciples to obey him. Um, and to continue his mission uh, going forward after he would leave them. And then last week, in the first part of Acts 1, we saw how even on the point of leaving them, Jesus leaving them, the disciples still hadn't grasped the mission. They still hadn't fully understood what Jesus was expecting them to do. So this is three years in, and Jesus has left them, and they still haven't got it. Which is crazy when you think about it. Uh, because it means that, that this, uh, by which I mean the, the church, um, not, in fact not just All Souls Church, the, the church of two billion people worldwide, give or take, is built on a small group of people. I think it's at 120 people we read in our reading. Who repeatedly failed Jesus and even now didn't fully understand their mission. I think that's remarkable. And I don't think it was lost on them. I think how you hear them speaking later on, looking back, I think they probably had some of the same questions that I had, <laughs> was asking this time last year. You know, what are we doing? Jesus, this isn't how it was meant to be. This isn't how we imagined this. We're not ready for this. There must be people out there better than us for this, more suitable for this. So let's look um, briefly at the passage, Acts 1, 15 to 26. So the disciples, as, as we've heard, are gathering uh, to pray and to worship. And they are waiting, like Jesus told them to. And Peter gets up and he makes the point that of Jesus' original 12, with the loss of Judas, they are now only 11. Now, for football fans across the country, this time of year, we await the publication of the retained list, um, which each club produces, which, uh, the list of which players from last season will continue into the next season. Uh, and each year, there are a few players who don't make the list. Um, each year, there are a few players who surprisingly don't make the list. I'm, I'm looking at Phil Davis here because, um, anyway, I shouldn't go too deep into this, but uh, Bristol City have just poached, anyway, our best player from last year. Um, There is forgiveness. It's okay. Um, Anyway, uh, the players leaving, it kind of opens this possibility for others to come in and take their place. 
Um, and it's not really very much like what happens here, and I'm sorry for another football illustration. I really should get another hobby so that I can vary my material a bit. Um, but the point is that just as a football team um, or a sports team needs a squad of a certain size, um, the number of disciples, i.e. 12, is not just a random number. Um, and it's really important to understand this in the early in this series, looking at Acts and the development of the church in Acts. So 12, of course, was the number of the tribes of Israel. And this had a really important uh, symbolic significance to the first century Jews. So losing Judas, and um, we're not going to talk about that in deal today, detail today, um, although Acts gives a rather grisly description on how he ends up. But this causes a problem. This church is meant to be the new people of God, the new Israel, if you like. And it can't be that with only 11 leaders. And what we're going to see in the coming weeks is the church growing from a small kind of community of specifically Jewish believers into a large, diverse, multi-ethnic group of Jesus followers. And, you know, multi-ethnic in that day was a radical concept, but it was one that was central to Jesus's mission. And it threw up all sorts of questions and tensions um, in the church. But the, the, the church, in fact, the large part of the story of the New Testament is all about resolving, and the church resolving those questions and tensions in this community of love. Because right from God's call to Abraham, God said that the, the blessing of Israel would be a blessing to go to all nations. And that happened through Jesus. You know, racial justice has its home in the blueprint for the church and the heart of God to gather people together of every tongue and tribe and nation into one family. That's what the church is. But for now, at this point, it was really important for the 11 to become 12 again. Uh, it's ironic that the phrase making up the numbers uh, has been come to use to sort of minimize somebody's importance to a group. In this case, it was critical missional uh, importance. And the question was how to pick someone to join the crew. Um, and the answer, it has to be said, is somewhat surprising. They select two people who had been with Jesus from the start, fair enough, and then they pray, this verse 24, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. So they literally draw straws, which just feels like the kind of least holy way of doing this. Um, you know, some have suggested that this was something they did because they didn't yet have the Holy Spirit to inspire them at this stage. I'm not sure that really answers it. Um, but it doesn't feel like a great interview technique, does it? I don't know. If, do we have any HR people in the building? This is West London. Of course, we have some HR people in the building. What do you think? I mean, my interviews for this job were done on Zoom, okay, a lockdown necessity. Um, I remember somebody being surprised at how tall I was when we finally met in person. I'm not that tall, but they, you know, Zoom is... I don't know what discussions took place after my Zoom interview. Uh, the, I don't, uh, David and Adele, I don't think, are here at the moment. But, you know, I don't know if lots were cast. Um, <laughs> um, I hope not. Although, although I got the job, didn't I? So, I, oh, anyway, I'm not so sure. Either way, I kind of like the imagery of, you know, Matthias, who joins this bunch, who are going to be persecuted, locked up, executed in the coming years um, he joins the crew by literally drawing the short straw um, I think that's great 
But the point is, if you're Matthias, you probably felt at times, isn't this all a bit arbitrary? Am I definitely right for this? Drawing a straw? Imagine that he's facing death for Jesus' sake, like he probably did. Am I really sure? I mean, I'm here with this bunch of idiots who haven't really got an awful lot right so far. You know, if he'd been with Jesus since the start, he would have seen Jesus correcting them and rebuking them half the time, and then them running off and deserting him at the critical moment. And bearing in mind, I guess he's replacing somebody who outright betrayed Jesus. Yeah, he must have thought, they don't really seem to understand what we're here to do. Is this really what we, what I am called to do? I'm not sure this is really me, he might have thought. So that's um, me, and that's the disciples at the start of Acts, unsure, uh, a little off kilter, perhaps feeling a touch inadequate, questioning whether they can really be what Jesus needs or wants to build his church. So let's talk about you. I wonder what brought you to All Souls Church. Probably wasn't a job interview. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I know there are a huge variety of stories of how people have come to be part of this church, in fact, of any church. God draws people in all sorts of ways. You know, perhaps you have come perhaps you came originally because by some kind of quirk of geography a lot of the local schools around here require church attendance fortnightly for two years to fulfill an admissions requirements or perhaps out of desire to have a a thanksgiving or baptism for your child i have to admit i sometimes feel a little funny about the school thing you know just because i'd hate for anyone to to be here feeling like they're here under duress um i don't think that's jesus's way um however If you're here, that's great, and I'm so glad you are. Maybe you can relate to that sense of feeling a little, you're here a little bit by chance. Maybe not the casting of lots, um, although you never know, I don't know how you came to the decision to join All Souls rather than one of the other local churches. But again, I love that you're here. And that there are so many great stories in this church of people who came here because of the school thing and ended up getting drawn in by Jesus and this community of his followers sticking around long after the forms were signed off. You became part of this family. Maybe you're visiting us today or have been coming along recently to sort of try us out. Now, please don't feel that I'm trying to leverage this to um, make you choose All Souls Church to this next season you know obviously we'd love you to do that but only if it's the right church for you only if this is where God is calling you in this time but what I want to say to you is that if you do settle here great but please know that I believe it will be for a purpose you're not just like Matthias like we said making up the numbers or rather if you are making up the numbers I believe it's because God has a purpose for you in the mission of this church going forward. And that goes to everyone here. However long you've been coming, however long or short you've been part of this. And it doesn't mean that you need to be impressive, uh, gifted, doubt-free, fearless. You know, you can be broken, disappointed, fearful, full of doubts and questions, as we all are sometimes, and just like the disciples were at times. Maybe you've been part of this 
church family for a long time now. Maybe you've been since the beginning of the plant in 2000 or, or even long before that. First, can I say to you, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness through many seasons, including the trials of the past two years. You know, thank you for all that you've given. Thank you for your faithfulness in prayer and in service. You know, this church simply wouldn't be here without you. But the question for you is, are you ready for the next part of this story as we gather ourselves as church for this next season? Are you prepared to welcome others in like those original 11 did with, with Matthias? You know, there's no drawing of straws. Um, will you be prepared to welcome all that the Lord adds to our number in the months and years ahead? And finally, to those watching online, again, I know we've got some visitors with us, so this may not apply to you. Um, some of you, though, I know and I've met. Others, I've never met. Uh, a few live hundreds of miles away. I know that. Um, you know, you're very much part of this church family, and we'd love to see you back here as soon as you are able. There have been all sorts of reasons to stay away and reasons to wait, but I just love to encourage you to reconnect uh, in person uh, as soon if you are able. This has been a long season of waiting. Waiting for a new vicar, waiting for a pandemic and restrictions to end, waiting for a fresh sense of our vision and calling as a church. And I, I believe that season of waiting is coming to an end. And as we'll see in the coming weeks, the waiting is over when the church is gathered, when the vision is clear, and when the Holy Spirit comes. I believe God wants you, every one of us. I think he's brought us here for a reason, and he has plans for you in his great and glorious kingdom, his mission of love and hope in a dark and troubled world. enough for today. Uh, we'll pick it up next week or in a couple of weeks, but let's pray.